0: A the the Out of sight! A run bomb into the second deck
1: for Hey
0: everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. The Mets have just taken three of four from the St. Louis Cardinals. They're 26 and 14- I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly, and Jerry is joining me from an unknown location. I think he might be kidnapped. I have no idea, Um, but he's complying. He seems like he's doing okay, so keep him in your thoughts. That's all.
1: (laughs) I am joining you on a little mini-vacation here, Um, but I'm ready to go. Watch the game, listen to the game. We had fun. Um, Another series win by our New York Mets. Gotta love it. Um, good home stand, uh, looking to go to Colorado and do the same thing, possibly play in some snow.
0: I was going to say like the snow is going to fall tonight. So I hope your, your hopes are not high for Mets baseball tonight, but I'm pretty sure people got their fill from this, uh, this four game set. I don't know. Like I can't remember the last time a, uh, a Mets Cardinals set was that exciting in a good way. Cause I feel like we're on the short end of these sets a lot of the time, especially last year. It was just kind of nice, kind of nice to get some revenge.
1: Their, their style of play is kind of similar to what the Mets are trying to do or started. They're just gritty, man. You know, you always put out those uh, grit tweets, uh, but that's pretty much what they do. They grind. They always put pressure. They've got some big boppers, as we saw with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Um, we'll be hearing a lot about those two, this whole yeah. about our recap. But uh, they play uh, a very good game of baseball. Their organization is they they play it a certain way from A ball from rookie ball all the way through and it shows on the field because those guys are tenacious.
0: Yeah, their brand of baseball is a good one to mimic, I think. A lot of solid defense, sound base running. And I think that the Mets kind of outshine them in a lot of those things in things that, you know, they've been crushing us in for years and years. Um, I did not have high hopes for for game one here. No slack on our guy Trevor Williams. He's a great dude. Um, but he was getting the spot start in this one because of an injury to Tyler McGill. Uh, but Trevor Williams shoved, uh, four shutout innings in the first game here. Uh, he struck out six, didn't walk a batter, uh, four hits allowed on 65 pitches. He really answered the call. And uh, I don't think he knew, uh, that this was going to be an audition for a permanent spot or a foreseeable future spot in the rotation, but it definitely is now with what we know. I uh, struck out Arenado with two runners on in the third inning. That was a huge moment in the game that could have swung things, um, Tom Smith finally got it going after an 0-for-20. He uh, smacked an RBI double in this game. He had two hits. McNeil, who we're going to talk a ton about in in this series, Uh, he also had an RBI double. Mets get three runs off Michaelis, who's been really, really good this season. I think this was his worst start of the season by far. Uh, Jake Reed. Haven't seen him in a while. Got injured last year. Came up in the bad August stretch. That's pretty much all we saw of him. Uh, He was in a nasty jam with some walks, but he struck out Goldschmidt. Got a key out later uh, to escape that. Then pitched another inning on top of that. Drew Smith, he gave up a home run to Goldie, but kind of everyone's been giving up home runs to Goldie, so I don't blame him too much. Uh, But it was his third consecutive outing, allowing an earned run. But then Edwin Diaz, who's looked like a sure thing pretty much all season, came in for his ninth save of the season in the the, uh, first game of the doubleheader, which feels like ages ago, just because of everything that's happened after. Uh, But the Mets won the first game of this four-game set uh, 3-1. to
1: Yes, in game two of the doubleheader, We get Taiwan Walker versus Steven Matz and his allegedly unscrupulous agent. (laughs) Uh, Taiwan Walker was solid in this one. Uh, Not great. Bottom of the first, though, Mark Hanna starts off uh, the Mets scoring. Always scoring in the first, it feels like, with a 3-2 fastball in that he just turned on and put into the stand. So the Mets go up 1-0. That brings us to the fourth inning, an RBI double from, uh, put this name, in the in your memory, because his name is Mr. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, he ties the game at one. Then the bottom of that inning, Eduardo Escobar answers with a two-out home run off Matz on an also pretty decent pitch on a changeup away that he drives to right center. Very good sign from him, uh, and the Mets go up two to one. Uh, that brings us into the fifth inning with Tywin Walker still on the mound. Uh, this guy named Paul Goldschmidt is an RBI double. Uh, To put the cards up three to two, that would be it for Taiwan, who did, you know, had a solid outing with five, gave up seven hits, three runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Uh, He looked pretty good, though, um, having a little bit of bounce back, strikes out a little bit more guys, um, spotting his fastball, looked pretty solid. Um, That brings us to the sixth inning. We're in the bottom of the sixth. Mets load the bases, Uh, bringing in Genesis Cabrera. Eduardo Escobar, who hit a homer earlier in the game, steps up and on three pitches strikes out. So that's two outs. Then Jeff McNeil, who has absolutely been stellar, um, pops out on the first pitch. So Mets have bases loaded, one out. Don't get anything in the sixth. Um, And the usual McNeil, who's been clutch for us all year, uh, gets a pop out with two outs there. Not really on him. We would have loved to have seen uh, Escobar. Put the run in with runner on third with less than two outs. Um, Brings us to the bottom of the seventh. Brandon Nimmo fouls the ball off of his leg. Um, Looks to shake it off. Ends up uh, grounding out and hobbling off. Gets pulled out of that game. We are worried about Brandon Nimmo's health. Um, Somebody that's kind of been prone to injuries. Um, And he's been so good for us at the top of that lineup. So that was a little bit scary. Turns out he's okay. Just fouled the ball off his quad which is a very rare place to foul a ball off of. Hurts like hell, Um, but he would fight back and be okay. Um, Back to the game, though. Bottom of the eighth, Eduardo Escobar strikes out, but the ball gets away from the catcher, and the inning continues. Uh, McNeil with a clutch hit through the six hole to tie it at three in the bottom of the eighth. The Mets do a little bit of the gritty grind. Um, Strike out, run it out, beat the throw to first and then put together a a nice little rally to uh, tie the game when they should have been out of it. Um, That brings us to the top of the ninth in a 3-3 game. Joely Rodriguez, who ended the eighth, um, came back into the ninth, and he promptly walks Brandon Donovan. Uh, Then he gets the aforementioned Babe Ruth and Paul Goldschmidt to pop out and gets one out. And then he uh, walks um, uh, Dylan Carlson after – Uh, after Brendan Donovan steals second and advances to third on the pass ball. First and third, one out. Um, That's it for Joely Rodriguez. In steps Adam Adovino, and then up steps their other big bopper, the Lou Gehrig to Babe Ruth, if you will, and Nolan Arenado. Uh, Adovino, huge strikeout, first and third with one out. Gets Arenado to swing on a slider that was just absolutely nasty. Huge out, two outs, runners on first and third here. Um, He actually gets Tyler O'Neal to roll over. Eduardo Escobar travels on the ball, beats out the throw to first. Somehow they gave that a base hit. I think it's an error. Can't really argue one way or the other. But the uh, Cardinals take the lead, 4-3. to Bottom of the, uh, the ninth, they get something going first and second with two outs. And Giovanni Gallegos gets Francisco Lindor to strike out, ending the game, ending the threat and the Mets split the doubleheader, losing the second game four to three.
0: Very nice recap there. I liked the, uh, the Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth analogy. That was pretty good. Cause Paul Goldschmidt was just, couldn't get him out, dude. Could not get him out. Every at bat was terrifying. I'm glad Nimmo's okay. Cause that was a,
1: uh, that was a scary one.
0: He was getting some war flashbacks, you know, that's the kind of thing, you know, where he can get taken out for a little bit and then it just snowballs into something else. But, uh, a lot of like uh, a lot of things uh, could have went better in this game, but I still felt really satisfied taking the first game, splitting this, and then setting yourself up for Scherzer and Bassett in game three and four.
1: Uh, the just uh, the the big thing was the not scoring in the sixth with the bases loaded and one out, and then obviously um, Eduardo Escobar not cleaning or fielding that ball cleanly and, and throwing out O'Neal after Adavino did an amazing job for for just coming into that game. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, Otto looked really good. I kind of felt bad that he didn't get, uh, you know, the uh, result he deserved, I think. And I, I'm going to take responsibility because I, I had
1: tweeted that every throw from Eduardo Escobar was money. You you literally jinxed it. I wasn't going to bring it up. Yes, I was. No, we
0: can we can talk about it. We can talk about it. <laughs> okay, for sure.
1: we'll, we'll touch it because if there's a, an anti-apple of my eye, it would be your tweets.
0: I think it's that tweet
1: for sure. I feel bad.
0: But, you know, he got his 10-year service time. I'm sure he's feeling pretty good. Uh, game three, uh, Max Scherzer takes the hill. Brandon Nimmo's back in the lineup a day after the injury scare, which was a really good sign. One that I was not anticipating. So I was very happy about it. Uh, McNeil did his thing in the first inning, singled home two runs. That's kind of what he does. Um, Eddie throwing error uh, the hex that I put on him, that kind of paved the way for an Albert Pools two run single to tie the game. Uh, the Mets rallied in the fifth off the St. Louis bullpen, which did not look sharp in this series. Uh, RBI singles from Pete and Dom. Dom's really breaking out of it. Luis Guillorme with a safety squeeze. I feel like I haven't seen the Mets pull off a safety squeeze in such a long time. This was beautifully executed. The perfect time for it. The perfect player for it. Just great managing by Buck there. Uh, Max Scherzer was really effective in this thing. Five and two-thirds innings, one run, run, seven hits, four Ks, no walks. 87 pitches, but he pulls himself in the sixth, uh, citing something in his back. There was a lot of Mets fans lip-reading and hysteria and what's this? Even John Boy got in there to try and quell uh, the worrisome fans. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but Max was probably correct to pull himself from this game. We'll talk about it. Uh, Otto was really good in this game as well, especially on no day's rest because he pitched the day before. He went four up, four down in perfect relief. Um, Arenado finally got some semblance of revenge against the Mets, if you can call it that. Uh, Two-run homer, which uh, made the game six to four. Uh, we kind of held him at bay for most of the series. This was pretty much his one signature moment there. And then the Mets just crushed TJ McFarland uh, to put the game on ice in the eighth. An RBI tri- uh, triple from Nimmo, who kind of just dinked it down the left field line, fell in the perfect spot. And then a mammoth three run shot from Alonzo, who, you know, was just hitting every ball to the warning track. So I'm sure that was kind of a nice monkey off his back. Colin Holderman, who had a couple nice appearances in this series. He finished off the ninth. He struck out Paul Goldschmidt, who was like Superman. So that was really impressive to me. Every Mets starter got a hit in this one, except for Eduardo Escobar. Sorry, I cursed him. It's my bad. I'm going to take full responsibility for it. Uh, team went seven for 15 with runners in scoring position. Multi-hit games from Alonzo, Canna, and McNeil. And the Mets win this one
1: 11-4. That was a good game. Good to see Holderman. I don't really know a ton about him. He came in and looked really good. Um And he'll pitch in game four. Um, That was pretty scary from Scherzer, uh, but a a really good game overall. Again, Otto coming back and looking dominant. So um, that was a positive sign. But on to game four, that was Chris Bassett versus Dakota Hudson. And the Mets do what the Mets do. in eight out of the last nine games, score in the first. Nimmo with a leadoff single, gets to Alonzo punching an RBI. Knock the other way through the, the four hole. They keep shifting the Mets, and the Mets keep beating the shift. It's a beautiful thing. Um, Jeff McNeil knocks in another one to put it 2-0. Good guys in the first. Um, But Juan Yepes immediately answers with a home run to left center field. A good shot off Bassett. Bassett didn't look great, but he pitched well enough. Um, 2-1 Mets move to the third. This guy named Paul Goldschmidt ties it with another home run off of Bassett. This one's just straightaway left. 2-2. Brings us to the fifth. Paul Goldschmidt, RBI double. Puts the Met, or the Cardinals up three to two. Uh, the Mets answered in the bottom of the fifth. Manufacturing a run. Uh, Nemo's fielder's choice. They load the bases with two outs, and McNeil delivers a huge hit just under the sliding glove of Harrison Bader. Um, just an absolute clutch soft line drive. Looked like an easy RBI double, um, but Bader... Makes this amazing sliding attempt. I don't know if you've got a chance to look at his glove. I didn't actually. It's a statue of Liberty glove and it is maybe the coolest glove I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, He's from um, uh, Bronxville. Is that right? I think so. And he played with Bronxville just out Westchester County Went played with Pete at Florida. So he's like a New York guy. Um, Super cool glove, but I'm glad it didn't quite get there. Uh, McNeil coming up huge there. Uh, Five, three Mets. That moves us to the seventh. Paul Goldschmidt with uh, it looks like his 45th RBI of the series (laughs) with a sack supply. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, then then, um, a big double play in the seventh there. 5-4, McNeil gets another uh, RBI. 5-4, Cardinals. Uh, Shaky Diaz comes in. He looks – he's been so good at making uh, for the save, he comes in. He's been so good at making those adjustments early. He just completely like lost it for like six pitches at a time in this one. Never really had that confidence. They scratch a, a run. Um, looked like it could have been really bad. Loaded the bases. I was really impressed with with uh, Buck Showalter leaving him in there because you do or die by him. It's already tie game. Let him do his thing. If he gets out of it, he already had 30-some pitches. Uh, he ends up tying, like letting it you know, leaving the bases loaded there after they tied it. I um, will get into Diaz a little bit later, but uh, in the 10th inning there, Holderman comes in and is solid. He only allows that that ghost runner on second base to score, giving the Mets an opportunity in the bottom of the 10th to really do some damage and try to get to that brings up Mr. Pete Alonso. And on the second pitch, Giovanni Gallegos delivers. Pete absolutely smashes a home run for a walk off. They end the home stand on a huge win. Get the crowd going, and they can happily end, go on to Colorado with a series win. Uh, the Mets win seven to six in an absolutely wild back and forth game. Um, Bassett goes f- six and a third, goes nine hits, four runs, all earned, one walk, only three strikeouts in those two home runs. Uh, Drew Smith came in through a one and two thirds, gave up a knock. Edwin Diaz, shakiest outing of the year, a little bit worrisome. Two big walks. One of them was a four pitch walk to bring up Goldschmidt or bring up Arenado. It was just not his best. Didn't have it uh yesterday. But even when you're when you're that good and you don't have it, you can escape with just that one run.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, like this was definitely, I think, Diaz's worst outing of the year. Uh, but even when he was at his worst, I still had confidence in him. I still I really liked Buck's decision to not yank his closer prematurely and like put faith in the guy that's been so good this season and you know Diaz proved him right for sure um I think that you know the four pitch walks he just he lost his command I think he lost his fastball a little bit um but I I also think that Diaz uh the old Diaz we knew I think shied away from the moment and now I think the new Diaz kind of likes to seize the moment Uh, and I've just seen him strike out so many big hitters in big spots this year that I, I feel comfortable and I felt comfortable then I was obviously shaking but you know I felt good
1: that was this was by far that this was the first glimpse into the the shaky version of sugar diaz he was he couldn't make those adjustments you see him like he would miss like his arm angle would drop and then he would come back and like try to find it he would baby some pitches he was just searching but he would find it every once in a while it still gives you an opportunity to win they had their chances to he had his chances to to really just shut it out I'm not too worried because he's been making those adjustments, but it's something to watch. You know, he wasn't, he didn't make those adjustments quick enough. It's kind of something that that I've we've been watching all year, all season long, and he's been able to like after two pitches dial it back in. We really haven't even seen a consistent run of him being locked in. So yeah. this shows me that's a good sign for me that he's been able to kind of find his way back. Um, he's been absolutely dynamic. I'm not worried about him yet, uh, and luckily after him picking up. The team, all season, uh, the offense picks him up and and the Mets get a win even when he blows a save.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, 18 runs in the last two games, that's a really good formula for winning. Um, I, I honestly, I liked some of the pitching performances I saw in this series too. One thing I wanted to highlight, uh, Tom Walker didn't have his best stuff uh, in his start for sure. But one thing that I love that I feel like is a definite improvement from the second half of last year He's only allowed a home run in one of his five starts so far this year. I really feel like that splitty is just keeping the ball low on the ground. It's very hard to drive. And I feel like if he can get tagged for home runs less than like he has a chance to have starts like this where maybe if he doesn't have his stuff where he gives up seven hits and two walks, he can still work some form of a quality start and keep his
1: team in the game and not let things spiral. Yeah, this is kind of the the All Star version of Taiwan Walker we saw in the beginning. He's got that yeah. high four-seam fastball that's he's getting swings and misses, uh, and that's what's preventing that home run that that got him in the second half of last year. He was still dead set on trying to maintain that fastball up, and it just didn't have the same life. Um, so far, so good on that fastball, which is you know he's not giving up those barreled balls. He's able to locate, which is what I've been really impressed with. He's been able to locate even that new splitty. He's been able to put it for a strike when he needs to throw it under the zone. Um, again, not his best, but this is what this is what a professional does. When when it's not your best, you can still go out and give your chance or your team a chance to win.
0: So we're going to need him because I guess we got to talk about the uh, the doom news that a lot of Mets fans latched onto and deemed the season over. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was scary.
0: If, if I can hop on the call and page, Dr. Blevins, MD, can you give me a little bit of clarity into what you think is going on with Max right now? Like, do you have any semblance
1: of recognition with this kind of injury? I do. I've had i uh, I've had an oblique injury myself. Um, obviously I had it when I was much younger than, than where he's at now, but luckily for Max Scherzer, it was a scary moment. It could have been really bad because you you thought it was an arm issue because of the way he was just like, I'm done. But luckily You know, like Max said in his post-game interview, which, I, you know, first of all, thank you, Max, for addressing the media afterward. You don't have to do that. Uh, Such a pro to be like, look, this is what's going on. Put the fans, even if it's not putting the fans at ease, it's just giving them an idea so they're not dwelling and thinking about everything, uh, all the possibilities. Uh, It looked like a season ender you know, maybe a career under kind of possibility at worst case scenario, because he just doesn't pull himself out of a game like that very often.
0: I had never seen anything like it.
1: Yeah, he did it last year. Um, he's done it before with his neck. Uh, he did it last year a little bit with his groin because he's like, I can't pitch on this. But that one was like uh, something seasoned up, but he felt something pulled himself out immediately. Um, obliques are strange. So um, Stefania Bell, who I follow for, for, fantasy football stuff from ESPN she covered it and talked about it on Twitter Um, oblique usually like a six to eight week thing uh, especially if it's it's bad you can't do anything to an oblique you can't really fix it you can give certain amounts of treatment but the best thing you can do for it is just not use it and stabilize it and let it kind of repair itself so you know this could be a two month to you know extend into three months or it could, you know, his could respond, you know, but at 39 years old, um, you're not expecting, you know, miracles to happen. So this is going to be a couple of months. Um, we're going to need Taiwan Walker. We're going to need uh, David Peterson to come in and look like he was in the past because McGill, uh, DeGrom, and answers are all down. Um, so we're going to need guys to step up here like Taiwan Walker, like Cookie Carrasco, and like David Peterson.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the Mets are about to enter arguably their toughest stretch of the season, and they'll be doing it without their two Cy Youngs at the top. DeComo, Anthony DeComo did say yesterday that uh, Tyler McGill is tentatively scheduled to begin playing catch tomorrow, which would be today. Um, So if his arm feels better, there's a good shot. He rejoins the rotation soon. Assuming that scenario comes to fruition, the Mets are going to operate with Chris Bassett. They're going to operate with cookie Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, Tyler McGill and David Peterson as their one through five. In my opinion, That is still a one through five that can be a winning team. Uh, I think that's a one through five that keeps your team competitive. They're going to face tough teams. They got the Astros, they got this West Coast gauntlet coming up. Um, But, uh, you know, last two games, they put up 18 runs. That's a pretty good formula for keeping your team in games and stuff. They built themselves a nice cushion at 26 and 14 with an eight game lead. Uh, I am not ringing the panic bell yet. Obviously, it sucks. But yeah. this front office did a very good job securing depth around these guys, knowing that you're probably going to run into roadblocks along the way.
1: That's it, man. This is this is anticipated, and I, I loved like how Buck handled the post game, the conferences. You know, they're like, "How are you feeling?" Trying to get some emotion out of it, and and in the moment, you want a leader that doesn't go by emotion, and he was like, yeah. "Look, I." At that point, I'm concerned for him, but what I got to do is like figure out what we're going to do this game. And then after the game, we'll think about what we're going to do moving forward. That's what you need out of a leader in those situations to not let a game get away from you just because of emotions. Uh, When Scherzer went down, even when Nimmo went down, he was working at like, all right, well, if he goes down, I got to bring Jankowski. got to move this guy over there. He's just thinking uh, like a leader, um, winning battles, winning the war, that kind of thing. But the front office created this depth. We, it happens to every team, you know, very rarely do guys get to, you know, do the, that crazy nineties run that the Atlanta Braves had and just have your studs for 14 straight years. Yeah. Um, You're going to need this. And we have the depth. That's why you trade for a guy like Chris Bassett. When your top two guys go down, he's now your number one. He was a number one last year for a a Mets or for an A's team where he was an all-star. I'm not worried about it. Uh, It's going to be trying. It's going to be we're going to need some some good performances. But guys are that they're filling in are solid big league pitchers. Um, So there's no reason to hit that panic button. The offense looks really good. The way that they go about it it doesn't seem like um, a very drought ridden style of play. You're not relying on three run home runs. You're just manufacturing. You're putting pressure on the defense. And that's what uh, your team needs out of you uh, from an offensive standpoint. I imagine these guys are going to carry the load. The offense is going to carry the load for a little bit. This is what you need out of a team.
0: I really loved two things that Buck said uh, in his postgame pressers the past two days. Uh, one was that no one is going to feel sorry for us. So you're better off just not feeling sorry for yourselves, Mets fans, because it's true. I mean, we were gifted with two Cy Youngs. Uh, we've only seen one of them pitch this year. Um, but we'll have two of them by the end. Like That's what the timetable looks like. We're going to have both these guys in the rotation at the same time. That time will come. We just got to get there. So I believe in this team. I believe they will get there. He also said that this is not a Sky is Falling team, which I think is very nice. Uh, it's a good sentiment because this is a Sky is Falling fan base for sure, for 100% certainty. Um, Absolutely. We've dealt with a lot of curses, a lot of bad luck, a lot of you know downtrodden <laughs> teams, and... I I keep reiterating, I know it's only May, this team does not feel like it. This team feels like it has a formula for winning that it follows every single night, and it seems to work most of the time. One thing I, I have absolutely loved about following the Mets this season is that they have only lost back-to-back games one time in the first two months of the season, because they respond to adversity incredibly well. I think that's just a culture of the team at this point, and I think that uh, they're not going to carry themselves on a pedestal sort of like maybe they did last year where they got a little comfortable and they let the lead get away from them. This is a team that is very, very focused on the end goal of the season. And I feel like it's coming through in all of the quotes in the post game, It's coming through in their play as well. Um, so obviously it's easy to say all these things when the team is winning. But when you get massive wins against a really good team like the St. Louis Cardinals. Really you know, good Five team. and two. Really good. Against a yeah. team that has always beat you up. It's hard not to feel this way.
1: Yeah. And even with their with Goldschmidt being an absolute superhero of they they it shows the DNA of this team, of this Mets team, to to fight and claw. The what would have been like momentum smashers, like Diaz giving up, the Mets would have like rolled over and, and lost that game and it would have felt like a game that they should have lost. Uh but instead you see what, what Pete Alonso is capable of doing. Uh, what Holderman came in and did, and just allowed that one run. Uh, the depth of the rotation, the depth of the bullpen. We've tested the depth of the lineup. You know the scariness of of Brandon Nimmo going down, seeing what Jankowski's brought, Luis Giorme stepping up in a huge way. Uh, we just have a complete roster, and you're going to need all 40 plus guys to do something at some point for a little bit of a stretch, and. This is what Buck Showalter does at his core. He puts his players in a position to succeed, no matter who it is, no matter what his roster is shaped up to be. He knows those guys inside and out, whether it's you know, multiple Cy Young winners or it's a rookie coming in. He knows who they are. He knows how to maximize, to set them up for success, and he will put them in an advantageous position to be successful making your overall team capable of weathering any storm that comes your way. He will maximize whatever roster he is given in a situation like this. This is the guy you want to be able to push forward. I think this is why you go out and sign Max Scherzer to give you those amazing, you know, uh, outings. But this is why you hire a guy like Buck Walter to keep, you know, the panic from setting in to make sure the guys that are focused on the task at hand and, I have no worries obviously you don't want to be without max scherzer for an extended jacob de Gram extended but whatever the case may be whoever they have billy epler has put a great roster together and you have a great leader in buck showalter being able to put these guys in a position to win
0: yeah i mean i really loved what you said about uh things that could have let this spiral i mean the nimmo injury Felt very worrisome, and then he came back the next day. Diaz blows up, and then he came back and he struck the batters out and kept us in the game, and we won that game. Scherzer goes down, and I, 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 obviously, I want to see him pitch every fifth day, but like, I know how hungry David Peterson is. I know how much he wants to be back with his club pitching every day. I saw the Mets get ten and two thirds scoreless innings out of Trevor Williams. Jake Reed, Adonis Medina, and Colin Holderman, four guys that were not remotely on our, four guys that didn't even get into the PPPs we did in the preseason. They were the catalyst for success in this in this set. It was insane.
1: Yeah, um, we may but, have to revisit some PPPs we for the go new back. guys. They don't even have our
0: unders. It's crazy. We do midseason
1: <laughs> PPPs. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, that's what happens. That's what happens when you have an ownership who's willing to allow a talented front office put together their roster and shape it um, because you get guys like Adonis Medina, who looks fantastic, um, but he's not going to be perfect. Say, look at Drew Smith. He's looks fantastic. Not going to be perfect. Gave up runs, consecutive outings, but he bounced back. Um, Seth Lugo looks, looks really good. Adovino bounced back. Like you just, we just have depth. We have players. It's a, it's a solid team. This is, this is the, the marathon portion of, the baseball season where you're like all right it's easy when you sprint out of the gates and you're the best team in baseball uh, but then you get a guy that you know maybe bobbled the hand off in the relay race and now you just you just gotta put your head down and trust your pace trust what you're doing don't look at everything going around you and just start start trusting yourself in the middle of that marathon and see the light at the end of the tunnel
0: very, very philosophical. I like that analogy. <laughs> Mets are uh, they're eight and three against winning teams this season. They're thirteen and seven against out of division teams. Three and zero in extra innings, and they've won thirteen games in a row following a loss. It's very tough to beat this team two times in a row. Uh, I think this is maybe our most competitive apple of our eye of the season. I, uh, I it's still up in the more. air for me. It's still up in the air.
1: Okay. All right. I mean, we have some major contenders here. Uh, I mean, there's so many. Our offense absolutely just, like just played an amazing series.
0: I mean, you want me to run? I, I'm, I'm going to run through everybody.
1: I, I'll, I'll go. You go through it while I think about it.
0: Yeah. Because okay, so we have Mark. Most of it is offensive, and that's that's obvious. Mark Canna, four for thirteen. He hits a home run, two RBIs, two walks, hit by pitch. Jeff McNeil. Seven RBIs in the series. He goes six for 17 with a double. Dom Smith broke out. He only played in two games, but he went three for seven, a double, two RBI, two walks. Luis Guillorme, who I'm perfectly cool with seeing as an everyday player just because of how much I just love what he's bringing to the table right now. Five for 11 in RBI. He had a safety squeeze, which I absolutely adored. Pete Alonso's obvious, two homers. Uh, nice
1: uh, <laughs> you adored a <the> safety <laughs> squeeze that's great
0: it's my favorite man I just don't get to see it anymore Pete Alonso stole a base too that was crazy loved that uh, also got hit by a pitch because that's nothing new and then Francisco Lindor drew six walks in this series When yeah, for yeah Pete 12.
1: with the with the two home runs the big walk off a Lindor four for twelve with six walks a stolen base a hit by pitch major contenders for me it's it's comes down between Jeff McNeil and is six for seventeen with seven RBI. Pete Alonso five for fifteen with seven RBI and the big walk off. And Lindor four for twelve with six walks. I think so. Like those, those are, are the three. those are the three guys. I really wanted to pick Yorme because of what you talked about and Me his adorable too. you know sacrifice uh, suicide squeeze. Um, I want to, but I can't. He's a contributor, but when you're big guy. When your big guy steps up, I'm going to take Mr. Pete Alonzo as the apple of my eye. Clutch, man. Clutch. Five for 15. Those two big home runs with a big walk off to cap a long home stand to cap a, another series win. Could have been an easy split after Diaz blows it um holderman you know allows just the one and then he comes up and just absolutely destroys a baseball to walk off the homestand pretty much it felt like a cap uh and he's been our clutch guy all season he's been that that home run that power producer i believe he's leading the league in rbi right now yes he is. um deservedly so that shows you that your team is setting yourself up and shockingly you know jeff mcneil uh, doesn't lead the league in RBI because he feels like he's doing the same thing. But Pete Alonso, two big, two big walks. He had that that double steal, that stolen base that you talked about, a hit by pitch, just doing everything. And I love it. Uh, he deserves the apple of my eyes.
0: It's, it's hard not to pick Alonso. I get it. And it feels like we pick him pretty often just because of how good he's been. But I mean, He had maybe like a weak stretch where all those balls were just dying at the warning track, and it felt like that stirred something inside of him because the two home runs he had in this series were absolutely crushed, especially the Giovanni Gallegos fastball that was 93 (laughs) middle in, and he just knew it like immediately. Uh, That thing went far. Uh, So that was a pretty awesome moment. So good pick there. I'm going to hop on the other side, the other guy that had seven RBI. I'm going to go with Jeff McNeil. Um, I had been campaigning last episode. First of all, claps for Jeff. Give just Just, just a small, just a... I had been campaigning last episode to see Jeff, uh, higher in the order. I said that I wanted to see him in the three hole. We got that a little bit because of stalling Marte's absence and Jeff was hitting third. He was hitting fifth. And I feel like he just got so many runners in the scoring position opportunities. And he came through pretty much every single time, except for that one bases loaded opportunity where he had but the That was with two outs
1: out. where he wasn't the hero. Um, it's impossible to do it every time but you know you feel like he's going to.
0: Six for 17 a double seven RBI is the big one just really coming through every single time the Mets needed him a lot of go ahead hits in this set and he just he just looks happy again I I love the screen caps of Jeff McNeil smiling at the dugout I loved him his celebration on the walk-off waiting for Pete to come home it looks like he's he knows what he's doing now he looks like he's doing what he does best he's not trying to crush the ball I know we've had the same conversation about McNeil over and over but it's just nice because a lot of us didn't know if he could return to this and I think it's encouraging but also frustrating because this could have been Jeff last year too Jeff has always been capable of this, and I've, I'm glad that he's returned to the mentality that got him his original success, and is giving him maybe more success than ever because he looks like the best version of Jeff McNeil on the field, especially because he looked great in left field as well. He made a great catch on the Goldschmidt uh, sacrifice. That fly. little
1: like like right right against the wall. That's that's knowledge of into the netting and then fired the ball back in.
0: Huge double play helped out Drew Smith. Huge a ton. double
1: play. And he did it at the plate as well. Great tag by Guillaume to finish Great that tag. off, too. Blocked the base, too. That's something that Jeff McNeil in the outfield doesn't do. Like, A, that's a tough catch to make, and you have to be yep. familiar with the position and the field to be able to be secure and going that close to the wall because there's not a lot of space there in foul territory. And also, knowing the situation where you got to throw the ball there because he immediately turned and fired. Giving his team a chance to make that double play, and then Giorme, just he's special with the glove, man. Uh, yeah. Everything you get, he's been giving us a lot from the plate. Is all a bonus because he's he's special with that glove. He does little things, makes it look easy. He's reminiscent of as Drupal Cabrera for me. Mm. Uh, obviously, Cabrera had a you know a much more substantial career from a from a playing time standpoint. But with the glove, man, Giorme can do it.
0: Yeah, I just feel like Buck has taken these two pieces in McNeil and Guillaume, who were good, and he's just elevating them. And I feel, yeah. McNeil is a plus defender at two positions. I did not have that in my book in the preseason. I mean, it's just really incredible to see.
1: Uh, He looks more confident than ever. I don't know about plus defender. I wouldn't, I don't know. I'm not saying he's not a plus defender. Let me check it out. And either you you do your thing. I'm going to say a legitimate big league left fielder and a legitimate big league second baseman.
0: That I can definitely get behind. Uh, I just, I feel comfortable with anything going his way. Yeah,
1: man, I I do. I do too. You know, and again, it's easy when you're hitting, you know, 300 plus, I think he's 313. It's, he had a little bit of a lull and you you can see, you know, some temper come out, but I'm so happy. He's such a dynamic player. It's hard to pitch to a guy like that. It's almost impossible. It's infuriating whenever you see him come up in an RBI situation, no matter what part of the lineup comes up, he's still that guy. And you have to face him and you have to throw uh, just, just an exceptional ball player. I love his style.
0: Yeah. I feel like, well, in, in game one, I remember he had an 11 pitch at bat against Michaelis, I believe. And um, I, that's, this is why I like seeing McNeil in the first inning, because I feel like mm-hmm. we, we've also seen a, a new version of Brandon Nimmo. That's hitting for more extra base hits. I've also seen Nimmo swing at the first pitch, maybe more than ever. Yeah. Uh, uh, he
1: statistically. He's definitely done that. I think, um, I think, uh, on the broadcast, I'm pretty sure Keith Hernandez addressed it. I know Todd Zeal has talked about it. He's just he's looking to drive the ball. He'll take his walks. He's not always looking for walks, depending on the situation. Man, he picks his spots. He's he knows he's prepared with a game plan with, per every at bat, which is you know watching my brother coach high school. You try to instill a guy to go up there and have an idea of what he's trying to do. Visualize what you want. Look at what you're going to get. And that's the hardest thing to do. And Nemo steps up. What used to be is like my game plan is I'm going to get on base with a walk or I'm going to work the count. He's looking to do damage and then everything else around it. Um, he's still allowing himself to be an excellent hitter. Uh, just in another dimension to a, an amazing player entering his free agent year.
0: This is something that I feel like couldn't have happened with last year's club just because of the lack of weaponry around him. When you have Lindor drawing six walks in four games and Jeff McNeil working eight to ten pitch at-bats every time, this is the kind of thing you can afford Nimmo to do, and it's bringing him success as well. And it just goes back into the the winning formula thing that we were talking about before. This is a lineup that has a plan. It has uh, weapons on all sides of the ball, whether you want to work a count and get on base or drive the ball. Um, I just, I feel very secure with these guys. Uh, I don't, I feel like there's no holes right now. Obviously like, I feel like Dom had his lull and he broke out of it. Now JD's sort of entering his lull a little bit, but these guys pick each other up and that's just the beauty of this club right now. So I think McNeil and Alonzo are perfect, uh, representatives for our Apple this week. Uh, another fun McNeil statty has 14 multi-hit games in 37 games this season, which is pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah. So really the the story of this, this team right now is who's, are they going to get their their starting pitchers to step up? Who is it going to be? And are you ready to look ahead uh, to the yeah. Colorado game? We're on this little six game West Coast trip, which is wild because they're going to go three in Colorado, three in San Francisco. Um, they're playing the Rockies at home. They're five and ten on the road, but the Rockies in Denver are thirteen and nine. Just yeah, they're they're a good ball club at home. This series is going to be Cookie Carrasco uh, looking to lead the way with a 3.73 ERA against Armand Marquez uh, with a 6.16 ERA. Um, There's some guys on our team with some history against Marquez. Eddie uh, Escobar is 12 for 13 with a homer and five RBI in his career. Um, The big bopper in their lineup uh, who's having an absolutely incredible season is CJ Krohn. Um, He is four for seven off of Cookie with a home run. Uh, Cookie's looking to bounce back after giving up four and just four and a third on eight hits last outing. Um, you noted here that he didn't have a slider. I agree. That's kind of been his thing. Shockingly, in his long career, Cookie's never uh, pitched in Coors Field. So there is some weird aspects. Um, you have to make adjustments. I, 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 It was so strange for me to pitch there. My curveball was kind of different. My fastball was different. I used to throw a cutter and it didn't move. Um, And my changeup that I normally throw would be like a cutter. So I would throw my changeup thinking about a cutter at the same time in course field. So there's some adjustments to be made, but Carrasco in his career, you know, with his experience, you expect him to be able to go out and have a solid outing. And what we really need ideally would be for him to go up and go six to seven, just dominate, give the bullpen, you know, a big sigh of relief uh, solidify his position after watching um, Max Scherzer be injured. Uh, Because in game two, we're going to have David Peterson reemerge into this rotation. He's been just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Spent some time in AAA just kind of biding his time. Uh, And he's going against uh, Austin Gomber. Is that how we say Gomber? I say Gomber. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Gomber. That's a strange name to say, but it's uh, Gomber has a 4.38. He's actually been uh, pretty solid. Uh, Jankowski and Mazika are the only guys to have hits against Gomber, which is maybe the last two guys you would have picked. Uh, (laughs) uh, But David Peterson's first start since his May 3rd outing against Atlanta, where he looked really, really good before getting optioned down. Uh, And Gomber has allowed five home runs in his last four starts, so we're looking to tee off of him. Uh, That'll bring us to game three, the final game in Colorado. That puts Mr. Taiwan Walker... Uh, and his 3.52 ERA against Chad Cool, who's kind of been their ace with a 3.86 ERA. Cool has been, he got off to an absolutely phenomenal start his, his first five games. He had a 1.82 ERA. Um, but over his last two, he's got 10 earned runs and seven and two-thirds to still have a 3.86. But we'll hopefully, uh, we're continuing his trend downward. Uh, Taiwan is actually really good in his history at Coors Field. He's got 21 and a third innings pitched. Um, with a 2.63 ERA and a 1.29 whip. Um, that is our series in Colorado. Those are our preview matchups.
0: A couple things I want to talk about. Uh, Taiwan, we mentioned before, not giving up a ton of home runs. That split he's been working. I think this is a, a good area for him to pitch, and I'm glad we have him in this set. I feel like we're set up well there. Um, Cookie, he's never pitched at Coors. Uh, he didn't have a slider Shocker. last time, and it's kind of crazy. He's had a long career. He's never pitched here. Um, and like you said, there's adjustments that have to be made. I'm pretty sure I envision this kind of being like a, a little bit of a rocky start and then he'll figure it out as he goes because he's a veteran.
1: Was that on purpose? A rocky start? Oh,
0: it's never on purpose, but you know how to pick them up. <laughs> <out>. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm glad we're getting the Rockies now uh, because we we, uh, we saw them get off to a pretty good start. Uh, they've been 6-10 in May, so they're, they're coming back down to earth a little bit. They are a great home team. Um, they're coming off a couple series losses as well. And the Mets, uh, they will have to face Chad Cool, who's been pretty good this season, but he's been slowing down a little bit. Um, And I think we're probably, I'm going to assume we're not playing tonight. If, uh, you know, this could age poorly, who knows? But there's snow in the forecast for tonight and tomorrow. I don't know how they're going to get these games in uh, if both days get canceled. I I really don't know. Um, But that remains to be seen. Uh, So, yeah, weekend set with Colorado should be a fun one.
1: Some names to look for in their lineup. Uh, I don't. I don't think Chris Bryant. We're going to see. He's on the the IL for now. I'm not sure if he's going to come back. I don't know exactly when he went on. But some names to look for is Ryan McMahon, who's you know really stepped up and and became like one of their guys. Another replacement uh, at third base for uh, Nolan Arenado when he left. Um, he's got an 805 uh, OPS, a really good hitter. I think he had a walk off off me in my career. So uh, I like him uh and then you've got um cj crone as we mentioned he's got a 970 ops absolutely dominating and then uh, a guy named connor joe in 29 mm. is having an absolute breakout he uh he's batting 278 uh slugging 436 with an 805 ops uh, and randall Kritchik is there as well um they're a good team man they, they've got some good pieces they have holes we have a deep lineup the cardinals have a deeper lineup uh, you just kind of have to pick your battles here uh, and don't get yourself down too much.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that I feel like the Mets did really well in the St. Louis Cardinals series uh, was battling against the bullpen to keep yourselves in the game. And the Rockies bullpen, aside from, you know, Daniel Bard who has been solid at the back end and Tyler Kinley, who I had not heard of before looking him up. He's a 0-6-3 in 14 innings. Outside of those two guys, it's a lot of hittable dudes. So I think if you can chase these starters early, like you've been doing, you know, the Mets have put up uh, runs in the first inning in eight of the last nine games. They made St. Louis Cardinals starters throw 20 pitches or more in every first inning. If you can get to this bullpen early, I think you're going to fare pretty well. Uh, Chris Bryant is actually getting activated for this series, so he will be in the lineup okay. for the Rockies. Um and yeah, like you said, this lineup really bangs. Connor Joe is awesome. CJ Crone. I don't know if he's a trade piece because they uh, they extended him. So he might be a Rocky for the foreseeable future. He's got a 163 OPS plus. He's been very good. Um, but then some of their traditional boppers have been kind of, you know, falling off a little bit. Charlie Blackman's kind of got off to a slow start. Uh, Chris Bryant was injured. He's His OPS plus is still under 100. So we're not getting the uh, solidified version of those two. Um, I think it's a very winnable series for the Mets. Hopefully they get the games in, uh, and I, I like the starters that we have going forward.
1: If they play three, um, you expect a two out of three. It's an inferior team, and you want to beat it. And then we'll go. We're going to San Francisco, and a team that we've we've already faced. We know what they're going to bring. They're going to be fighting uh, very similar to the Cardinals. They do a little bit more creative things, but these guys fight. They're a 27 out style team. Um, they've got some of their big guys back. Longoria I thinks back, Brandon Belt. Yeah, so this is going to be a tough little road trip, and we'll see if they play the full allotment, um, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I, the one thing that I'm glad about is that I think uh, Bassett doesn't have to pitch at Coors Field. He's kind of had some trouble with the home run ball in his past couple starts. I think this is a good uh, stadium for him to miss, I feel like. Um, and we get a couple ground ball guys and Peterson and Walker. I think they're going to fare pretty well here. I'm excited. This is le- this is we're entering the challenge area. This is yep. The first this is set.
1: we're down. We're down, Max Scherzer. This is another chance for guys to step up and show their you know who they are as a as a member of this Mets team and and who they are as a professional, a big leaguer. Um, you know, obviously not ideal, but it doesn't feel like you said it doesn't feel like the sky is falling because they don't believe it, and uh, neither should we.
0: Absolutely. All right, man. That's pretty good, huh?
1: Ah, good episode. Not bad episode. Can we say episode?
0: Yeah, episode. Is
1: that a thing that you say? I don't know. I'm still new. Install radio show podcast app. I don't know. What do you keep sending the the zooms? Is this number sixty seven for us? This is
0: sixty seven. We're two thirds of the way to one hundred.
1: That's we're doing it. Are we gonna make it there?
0: I think we'll get there we're not the <laughs> type to stop at 99 you know the ppp's really helped us out we had like 30 of them you know
1: <laughs> good well for jolly i'm signing off for jolly i am jerry for jerry i am jolly uh, happy listening let's and go let's go, Mets, Mets, go we'll see
0: you guys on monday to recap the next series keep your head up don't let the doom consume treasure will be back
1: Gosh, you're, you're special you're, you're poet wordsmith Bonzo to his left, flipped to the ground.